No tween scenes. So all you kiddos, come back and find your parents. This is a good reminder to all of you that Miss Tracy could use your help. So uh, see her after service and get plugged in, volunteer. We got a bunch of kids, and we need a lot of help, which is a good thing. Amen? I love it. I want to wish all of you guys a happy Father's Day. So grateful that you guys decided to come here and spend this time with us instead of going to Pillowside Presbyterian, Bedside Baptist, Golf Side, Gospel, Hunting, Holiness Church. I'm glad you're here. I got more where that came from. We could go all day. Uh, today, in honor of Father's Day, I'm going to talk about toxic masculinity. Is that fair? We did a toxic femininity on Mother's Day, so it's only fair we talk about toxic masculinity today. And uh, I believe that we're experiencing a crisis of masculinity in our society. We've got all sorts of shortages. We've got chip shortages. We've got uh, labor shortages. We've got uh, soon-to-be food shortages. And we've definitely got a shortage of real men in our world. Do we not? Uh, I want you to think about the types of men that have been idealized throughout the decades. I want you to think back to when I grew up. You had people like Zorro, and a little bit before me was John Wayne. Clint Eastwood was a man's man. Hulk Hogan. How many of you are Hulk Hogan people? Hulkamaniacs in the house. Amen. Rambo, Top Gun. I got some pictures of some of these. Look, those are some real Indiana Jones. These are the guys that our culture, we idolize these guys, you know, and, and whatever you idolize, that's kind of what you aspire to. Uh, now, these, in the 80s, we, we started seeing a little bit of some gender bender movies. Uh, you'll remember putting these men, oftentimes very masculine men, in more of a traditionally feminine roles. Uh, Hulk Hogan did a movie called Mr. Nanny, where he was in a pink tutu, maybe you remember that, and then we all remember Mrs. Doubtfire, I've got to, you guys remember, this is a combo, you can get this on Amazon, Miss Doubtfire and Mr. Mom, these are gender bender movies, this started happening in the 80s, and over time, strong and courageous characters that we grew up on, the Clint Eastwoods, the John Waynes, the, uh, the, uh, the masculine men in the roles, uh, they, were, they were put aside and replaced by bumbling, incompetent, weak fools. Here's a picture of like Homer Simpson and Al Bundy. Do you remember Al Bundy, married with children? And these are guys, they just can't, they, Tim the Toolman Taylor. If it weren't for his family, he'd be dead 10 times, right? Bumbling idiots. And then we, when we, grow, we were growing up, uh, you would think of men that were her heroic of nature, of character. And you would think of those men that stormed the beaches of Normandy. Now today, the men that are considered brave are men who are transgender, competing in female sports and dominating and breaking records. And those are considered to be brave men in the society that we're living in. The results of the dismantling of true masculinity has been disastrous. It's been disastrous. More men are unemployed and unmarried than ever before. Porn and drug addiction and pharmaceutical dependence, all-time high. Testosterone levels, fertility rates, all-time low on record. Less people in trade, less men in college than ever before. Decreased access to services, increased cost of services, infrastructures, and homes falling apart. 
fatherlessness, all-time high. Dropout rates climbing for these, uh, these young people that don't have a dad at home. Uh, crime on the ride. Suicide among young men especially through the roof. Do you know one thing that all of these recent mass shooters have in common? You know one thing? They didn't have a father in the home. The shortage of real men is the most troubling shortage of all. So how did we get here and what can we do about it? That's our topic for the day. Let's all stand together and honor the reading of God's word. I've got several passages. I'm gonna re- read three passages today and uh, I'll tie them all together. I think they all relate to our topic today. So bear with me. Genesis chapter one, beginning in verse 26. Then the Lord God said, let us make man in our own image, according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. Genesis chapter two, verse 15. The Lord God took the man and placed him in the garden of Eden to work it and watch over it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree of the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for on the day you eat from it, you will certainly die. Genesis chapter three, verse 13 and following. So the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. And so the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than any livestock and more than any wild animal. You will move on your belly and eat the dust all the days of your life. I will put hostility between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. He said to the woman, I will intensify your labor pains. You will bear children with painful effort. You, your desire will be for your husband, yet he will rule over you. And he said to the man, Bless, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, do not eat from it. The ground is cursed because of you. You will eat from it by means of painful labor all the days of your life. It will put thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. You will eat bread from the sweat of your brow until you return to the ground since you were taken from it, for, for you are dust and you will return to dust. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you all my friends that have gathered here today. Thank you for every person that's watching online. Lord, I pray you'll bless them. Every single person, we come in here and we have different needs or we have different hurts, different hangups, uh, different problems that we're dealing with, Lord. And we come together today in agreement. We've gathered in this place because we believe you're the solution to all of our problems. We believe, Lord, if, that, if we can just connect with you in a real tangible way, Lord, that we can be given the strength and the resources and the wisdom and the grace in order to get through whatever difficult season that we might find ourselves in. And so, Lord, we just pray humbly that you will come and meet with us in a very real and tangible way. I pray that you'll speak through me today. Lord, that my words will dissipate, that I might decrease so that you can increase. Lord, we dedicate this time to you. As you stand there with your eyes closed and your head bowed, take a moment, just pray for the people around you. Pray for the people that are watching online. Pray for the people that you know that are struggling. Pray for a crazy world. Pray for all the Christians in the world that are being persecuted. 
Say a prayer for all the dads. Take a moment, pray for yourself. Father, speak to us. We're ready to hear what you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. So how do we get here? I want to say primarily it's men's fault. It's primarily men's fault. We were once, here in our culture, a, a patriarchal society. Now, this is what patriarchy means. Uh, very clear definition. A system of society which is primarily led by men. That's what we once were. Uh, now, when men were primarily in control of society, there was an abundance of abuse. Men, oftentimes, many men used their position of authority to subjugate women and to lord over their children. Uh, with abusive men in charge, women weren't allowed to vote, weren't allowed to work outside the home, oftentimes weren't allowed to have friends, they weren't allowed to gain weight, they weren't allowed to burn the toast, or there would be trouble. Um, male infidelity, spousal abuse, child abuse, workplace misconduct, all these things were commonplace, but it was never confronted, it was never talked about. Now this is toxic masculinity. This is toxic masculinity, to use male strength against others for selfish ambition and vain conceit. And our world, our society, was one time full of it. It was full of toxic masculinity. It was abusive, and it was oppressive. And in response to the abusive culture, society at large, women and their advocates, they started pushing back against this. They started fighting for equal rights, voting rights, safer homes and workplaces, and there was a ton of progress that was made. But right around 1970, there was a shift in our culture. And this movement, which was a positive movement, started out in such a good way, and it accomplished really powerful and beautiful things, it became radicalized. And then at this point, everything resembling what we would call patriarchy, strong male leadership, male-only spaces, et cetera, et cetera, all these things started to be viewed as a threat to the progress of women. And as a result, all these things have been labeled toxic masculinity, anything that just resembles traditional, classic manhood. Society at large has been leveraged to shame and condemn any character traits that's associated with classic masculinity. The radicals, uh, their answer to the toxic masculinity was to feminize men. They'd say things like, now th this is what they say, but this is the essence of how they believed. We'd rather men not exist. But if you must be here, at least be less male. We are much more comfortable with you being less male and more feminine. So try to operate in a more feminine way. This way of viewing masculinity has been widely culturally accepted. Here's a picture of the teen heartthrob of our day. You guys know who this is? Harry Styles. And this is... This is the teen heart. This is what a lot of teen girls are like, man, he is it. He is the stuff. He wears dresses and makeup and fingernail polish and, I mean, just the whole deal all the time. And so this is what our society has encouraged men to become. The feminization of men has been a grave, grave mistake. It didn't solve the problem. It replaced one problem for another problem. It replaced toxic masculinity with girly men. Patriarchy wasn't the problem. Now, and this is something our society is saying, saying the totally opposite of this. Patriarchy is the problem. Patriarchy is not the problem. The Bible is clear that God has made the world patriarchal. 
Let me say that again, because you're not going to hear it anywhere else. The Bible states it clearly that God has created our world to be patriarchal. Now, let me, let me explain this to you. God, the ruler of the universe, creator and sustainer of the universe. Everybody, we all agree God's in charge. Amen? How does God want to be referred to? Father. Jesus Christ, right? He was born into this world. Could have been born without gender. He could have been born as some like angelic something. He wasn't. Savior of the world. He refers, we refer to Jesus as the King of Kings. Jesus is Lord. Can we all agree on that? How does Jesus want to be referred to as a son? The Bible says over and over and over that the men are the head of the house. Over and over and over. Who sinned first, Adam or Eve? Eve ate the apple first, right? So why is it all throughout the scriptures, when it refers to the first sin, why is it that Adam is the one that's blamed? Why is it that the rest of the Bible never talks about Eve sinning? It always talks about Adam. Why is that? I'll tell you. It's because Adam was the head of the house. Adam was the head of the house. That mantle of leadership had been placed on him. You see, if there is a problem in the home and Jesus comes knocking on your door, he's not going to ask to speak with your wife. Gentlemen, he's going to ask to speak with you. The, the, the Bible teaches us that God has placed the mantle of responsibility, not the right to rule. Don't mishear me. It's not the right to rule and lord over. It's the responsibility of authority. It's the weight of leadership. God has placed that on the man. So the problem isn't patriarchy. The problem is patriarchal abuse. The problem isn't men in authority. The problem is men abusing their authority. And so the solution isn't to make men more like women. The solution is to help men become who they were created to be. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. Biological distinction. There's no such thing as non-binary. It's made up. Okay? And there's a distinction between male and female. God blessed them, verse 28. God saw all that he made, verse 31, and it was very good indeed. Listen to me. Our world is saying that masculinity and manhood is a curse. Manhood, being a man, is not a curse. God says it's a blessing. God created male and female. He blesses the male. He blesses the female. God saw all that he made, and he said, this thing that I've made, it is very good indeed. It is good to be a man. I'll say that again. So more than Eric can say amen. It is good to be a man. It's good. It's not bad. It's not evil. It's not a curse on our society. It's a blessing that we have men in our world. In the same way that we need women in order for humanity to flourish, we also need men in order for humanity to flourish. It's good to be a woman. If you're a woman, that's good. That's a blessing. That's beautiful. God says that is very good indeed. If you're a woman, you don't have to be a man. You don't have to act like a man in order to be valuable, equally valuable, important in God's world. Amen? If you're a man, that's not a curse. 
You're a blessing to our society. God has made you this way for a reason. It's good to be a man. And so our goal should not be to demasculate men. It should not be to masculate women. Our goal should be to foster the image that God has placed on each and every one of us. Our goal should be to foster a man's God-given nature. When the Bible talks about the nature of men, it mentions five functions. Five functions. Over and over and over, you see this all throughout the scriptures. Now, uh, I, I say functions and not roles, because this is a confusion in our society. Um, roles are easily interchangeable, okay? And so I think it's a mistake to start talking about gender roles, because we can easily I- interchange the roles. Isn't, we're talking about function. We're talking about the nature. We're talking about what's written on your DNA. God has created men for certain functions, okay? So to illustrate this, What's the function of an iPhone? What's the function? Help me out. This is, this is go ahead. We don't, we don't want to break them. They're too expensive. What, what is the function of an iPhone? Uh, make phone calls, text message, email, uh, Google Maps. Well, don't do Google. I use iMaps because Google Maps always drives me into a lake somewhere. I don't trust it. What else? What are the other functions? You can, this is a calculator. Uh, you can take pictures with it. These are the functions. It's what it was made for, Right? Can you drive a nail with an iPhone? Well, you probably could. Can you flip an egg with an iPhone? I mean, you probably could, but it's not what it was created for, right? And so what happens if you try and drive a nail with an iPhone? It damages the iPhone. What happens if you try and flip an egg with an iPhone? It damages the iPhone. In the same way, our society, our society has taken men and, and not allowed them to operate to their capacity, and they've tried to feminize men and make men more like women so that the nature and the function of men isn't lived out to the way it needs to be. And that's done damage to men. It's denied their God-given nature and purpose. And so what are the functions of a man? There's five, as far as I can tell. And I want to break these down for you. Ruler, husbandman, savior, sage, and image bearer. Ruler, husbandman, Savior, sage, and image bearer. Okay, so let's break this down. God has created men to rule. Genesis chapter one, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. They, who's they? The men. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. God has built men to embrace responsibility and assume leadership. God has called and equipped Adam and all of Adam's male offspring to rule the fish, the birds, the animals, and the whole earth on God's behalf as his under-shepherds. God is the king. God has created men to take on the mantle of leadership and authority. When the Bible talks about a man being the head of the house, it isn't about the right to rule and lord over with an iron fist. God has placed the responsibility to lead with a Christ-centered heart on men. That's the only way this works. A man just lording over, a man ruling under his own will and authority is toxic. It, it is when men serve in the way that Christ served. It's in when, when men lead in the way that Christ led, that's life-giving. That results in human flourishing. That's what we're working towards. A man who's put Jesus at the center. Unfortunately, Unfortunately, society 
neutering men has resulted in a lot of grown boys. Lazy and unambitious incels. Jobless, dreamless, muscleless, wifeless, perpetual basement dwellers on the rise. We see it all around us. Boys living in their mama's house until they're 35 years old playing video games all day and night. This is a cursed life for men. A life without ambition, a life without drive, a life a running away from responsibility is a curse for men. You were created for more than that. Genesis chapter 3, verse 17, he said to the man, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, do not eat from it, the ground is cursed because of you. You will eat from it by means of painful labor all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. Because Adam abdicated his responsibility to lead, Eve ate the forbidden fruit. You see, Adam should have been present when this conversation is going on between the serpent and Eve. He wasn't. He didn't protect his wife from the dragon. He didn't protect his wife from the serpent. And then he followed Eve into sin. They were both cursed. And part of the curse, labor became painful for men. Thorns and thistles. Uh, the sweat of your brow is gonna produce the fruit of the field and it's gonna be difficult. And so ladies, understand this. When you get frustrated because you keep telling your husband, I need you to hang these pictures. This is personal at our house. I need you to hang these pictures. And I'm like, I'll get to it, I'll get to it, I'll get to it. That's the curse of a man to keep running away, keep running away from the responsibility, keep running away from the work, keep putting off the work. That's the curse of a man. We've got to fight against that, men. And ladies, you've got to be patient with us. And understand, this is partly your fault because you ate the apple. <laughs> Men's lives have become fruitless and meaningless and oftentimes destructive when they've run away from being a, taking initiative, when they've run away from their God-given responsibilities. It, it becomes a destructive life. You remember King David. King David was the conquering king, and he's always expanding God's kingdom. Every time he'd go out to war, he'd defeat the enemies, and he'd push back the, the enemies, and he'd, he'd establish even more ground for God. Well, one spring, all the men went off to war, but David said, I'm going to stay at home. You remember this story. And in his idleness, he ran away. He abdicated his responsibility to rule and reign as the king, to lead his people. He abdicated it. He said, I'm going to put it in somebody else's hands. I'm running away from it. And I'm just going to hang out. I'm just going to chill here on my roof. And what happened when he was on his roof? He saw a, a lady bathing naked on top of her roof. And this temptation, he gave into it, had an affair with this woman, a married woman. She became pregnant. And then he ended up trying to cover all this up. And it was one sin after another sin after another sin to the point that David had this man killed. And he paid dearly. The consequences of that basically ripped the kingdom in half after a couple generations. You see, when we run away, men, from responsibility, we're running into ruin. Young men, laziness is not your best life. Do not aspire to live an easy life. Listen to me. The world is telling you, you need to live a life of convenience. Men, do not aspire to that 
It's less than what you were created for. You were created for meaningful, fruitful labor. Gladly assume as much responsibility as your competency and capacity allows you. Let me say that again. Gladly assume as much responsibility as your competency and your capacity will allow you. Don't, now pray about it. Say, Holy Spirit, give me eyes to see. Because there are some men that they, they, they bite off more than they can chew. There's some men that get overwhelmed and get overloaded. And so you got to find that balance. You got to set those priorities. You got to make sure the family's not losing out. You got to make sure that you're, you got to balance it. But don't run away from responsibility. Don't aspire to just live the easiest life you can. God has created you for more than that. Empty yourself in the pursuit of ambitious goals, ambitious goals for your marriage, ambitious goals for your family, ambitious goals for your career, ambitious goals for your church. Get out in this world and make a difference for the glory of God and the good of humanity. That is a life well lived. You were created to assume responsibility, to rule. Men were also created to be husbandmen. Now, this is an old word. We don't use this word anymore. It means a, a farmer or a cultivator. It's not enough just to lead. That's not enough just to assume responsibility. You need to lead towards flourishing. Your leadership should result in something beautiful. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, the Lord God took the man, placed him in the Garden of Eden to work it and watch over it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree of the garden. God has called men to work and watch over their sphere of influence, to tend and keep the garden, to care and cultivate for the space that God has given them. Men are created to make things better. When I grew up, my dad would always say, you leave the job site better than you found it. Maybe you grew up like that. My dad would say things like this. If it's worth doing, it's worth doing what? Right? It's worth doing well. It's worth doing right. Take pride in what you do. Cultivating requires diligence. It requires patience. It requires care. It requires men to, to settle down and invest blood, sweat, and tears for the betterment of those and who God has put under our care. Nothing is more rewarding, men, than a job well done. Nothing is more rewarding than a difficult job well done. God encourages Adam, tend and keep this garden. And then he says, you're free to eat from the tree of any of the, eat the fruit of any of these trees except for this one. Enjoy the fruit of your labor. I was talking to my buddy this week about this very topic. And, and years and years ago, probably 15 years ago, he started at this job. It was more of a corporate job, more of a career than he'd ever had before, but he hated it. Absolutely hated it. And he was struggling, man, because this was a pivotal time in his life. He's about to get married. He wasn't sure about that. He didn't really want to settle down. What he really wanted to do was quit and continue to be a boy. He wanted to quit his job and just continue to run around, chase girls, and do all the things that boys do. But as he's contemplating whether or not he's going to quit or stay or invest, he heard this devotion on the radio. And this is the only thing that he remembered about the devotion, but it stuck with him. This guy in the, on the radio, he said this. He says, the grass isn't greener on the other side. The grass is greener where you water it. The grass isn't greener on the other side. The grass is greener where you water it. And so this is what my friend did. He said, I'm going to resolve myself to stay here. I'm going to invest myself in this company. He improved himself. 
He improved his department. He improved his value to the company. He improved his position. He improved his salary. He, in, he improved his perks. And then the other day we were talking about it, as difficult as a process it was, as long as it took, this is what he says today. He started a job 15 years ago. He hated it. And he's in the same company, but he's working his dream job now. You see, friends, if you do the hard work to make the world around you better, you will be rewarded and you will be able to enjoy the fruit of your labor. Now, let me say this to the ladies because we need help. Again, I told you, we run away from this stuff. What comes naturally to us men is to run away from hard work, run away from settling down, run away from investing. That's the curse on us. And so, ladies, you got to encourage us, okay? Because whether we tell you this or not, we really think a lot about what you think of us. Amen, gentlemen? And so if, if your husband, if you see that he's trying, ladies, and you see he's doing his best uh, to do a project at the house or get something accomplished, please don't tell him how much better your brother or your dad would have done it. Okay? Just say, honey, I am so proud of you. You're doing such a good job. And over time, he'll get better at these odd jobs. He'll get better at the books or whatever it is that you guys are trying to accomplish as a family. But he needs your encouragement. Men are fueled by respect. Men are fueled by respect. If you give your husband respect, then he's going to reward the family with a lot of hard, sacrificial labor. Men were created to be husbandmen, created to lead, created to cultivate, created to save. Genesis chapter three, verse 14 and following. So the Lord God said to the servant, because you've done this, you're cursed more than any livestock, more than any animal, and you're gonna move around on your belly, and you're gonna eat dust all your days. I'll put hostility between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. Satan tricked the first people to rebel against God's created order. God cursed the lying snake, saying that the male seed of the woman will crush your head. Now this is what's known as the proto-gospel. This is the very first mention in all the Bible referencing Christ and what Jesus is gonna do in his life, death, and resurrection. See, Jesus is the ultimate savior. He rescued his bride from the church by destroying the evil serpent. Christ is the ultimate dragon slayer. He has called men to be lesser dragon slayers, to take a stand against evil in service to the vulnerable. Boys have hero written into their DNA. God has created us to be heroes created us to run into the fire, to run into the danger in order to save those who are perishing, to save those who are hurting. He's created us for that. Just think about the way the boys play. You don't have to teach your boys how to play, do you? The boys get together, and then they go out into the woods, and there's a clearing in the woods, and they put their flags in this clearing. They're like, this is our, this is our piece of the woods, right? We're going to claim ownership of this. That's dominion. Dominion is written into the DNA of boys, and then they're going to cultivate that land. They're going to build a tree fort, aren't they? How many of you, you guys built a fort at some point? All of us built a fort, right? And some of them were legit. I'm talking about two-by-fours and plywood. Some of them, it was just a sheet over a, a stick, right? But then you would cultivate the inside of this fort. This is your domain, and so you're going to make it nice. You're going you're gonna to put you know, your snacks in there and your drinks in there, and you're going you're gonna to supply it with all your needs. And then you're going to find a stick. That's all we need. We just need a stick, and the stick becomes a sword or a gun or a spear or something to do damage. And then, boys, they're going to imagine an enemy, right? Isn't this what we do? 
there's an enemy, and they're trying to take this place that we've cultivated. They're trying to do harm to our people, and so we got to beat back the enemy. And that's going to take a, a whole summer. Boys will play this game, won't they? It's written on our DNA. You see what boys are doing there? They are developing their dragon fighting skills. There are dragons in this old world that we have to fight, isn't there? A lot of dragons crawling, slithering around all around us. Enemy prowls around, the Bible says, like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. A couple weeks ago, I saw this video. This was in the New York City subway. There was an Asian man, small Asian man, and he was wrapped up against the post. Some, this other man was holding him. And two of this other guy, so the Asian man's getting held by this post, and then there's two other men that are just relentlessly punching him in the face until he goes unconscious. He's just laying blimp, and they're still just slamming him. This was the most disturbing part of the video. You can see countless people just walking by. You can see countless people just walking by, pretending like nothing is happening. Man, we need some heroes in this world, don't we? We need some people that are willing to stand up against evil and stand up against injustice. Some people that are willing to stand up for the vulnerable, stand up for the needy, stand up for those who are being oppressed. We need strong, courageous men. The men of our past, they had the Great Depression to fight through. They had the great world wars to fight. In our day, our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against the evil powers and the principalities. We need more heroes who will willingly, bravely take a stand against the darkness. Men who hate evil. Men who are ready to fight. Men who are willing to protect the vulnerable. Men who are strong and courageous and sacrificial and good. Parents, can I encourage you today? Don't take the sword and the gun out of your boy's hands. Can I encourage you? Don't do that. Don't whole cloth punish your child if he bullies a bully at school and gets in trouble for it. Some of us have been there where you stand up for the kid that's getting picked on and you get in trouble for standing up for the kid because he was a little bit too aggressive. Let's, let's teach our kids that right balance between taking a stand and, and being responsible. Mamas, don't make excuses for your boy's failures. The enemy doesn't care about the excuses. You know, and so if he doesn't make the ball team, don't say, oh, it's just because you had sun in your eyes. He doesn't need that. If he fails a test at school, don't say, oh, it's just because you haven't been sleeping well. Don't make excuses for your boys because this world doesn't care about excuses and we need men who are strong enough to push through the excuses and accomplish the goal. Our job, parents, is to raise warriors. Warriors is what we need in this world, not grown boys. We don't need any more grown boys. We need men. In order for a man to maximize his leadership, successfully cultivate, and powerfully protect, men are called to become sages. Men are called to pursue wisdom. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 5 and 6. A wise man is full of strength. A man of knowledge enhances his might, for by, by wise guidance you can wage war, and in abundance of counselors there is victory. Friends, knowledge is power. Foolishness and perpetual silliness is weakness. 
We've got a lot of boys out here, and they just want to act a fool. 25, 30, 35, 40 years old, acting a fool, still being silly, never serious. It's weak. Men, don't buy the lie that learning is dorky. Don't buy the lie that reading is only for girls. Pursue wisdom. Pursue mastery. Or you'll be perpetually frustrated by the results. Because in your heart, you're going to be ambitious. You're going to want to set big goals, and you're going to walk in that direction. But if you haven't developed competency, what's going to happen as you try? You're going to bang your head up against the wall because you're not prepared for it. You've got to pursue wisdom. People ask me, why was eating the tree of knowledge sinful? Have you ever thought that before? Why was that sinful? Because isn't the knowledge, don't, shouldn't we want the knowledge of good and evil? That seems like that would be useful. So why was it sinful? It wasn't a sin because of the knowledge. It was a sin because it was, a try, it was trying to acquire wisdom without the work. It was trying to uh, become a master without the maturity. Look at Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14. Solid food is for the mature, for those whose senses have been trained to distinguish between good and evil. The knowledge of good and evil is for the one who has been trained. The knowledge of good and evil is for the one who is mature. Adam and Eve tried to get ahead of God. They tried to take the shortcut to God's ultimate plan. They tried to get a mastery without the work. That's a mistake. To pursue a great cause without growing in competency, without growing in capacity, is to run into ruin. Don't get ahead of God. Don't bite off more than you can chew. Educate yourself. Surround yourself with wise men and women. And when you have reached maturity, then God will unleash you to pursue your destiny. Men are called to be sages. Pursue wisdom. Now, all this works together for the most important calling on all of humanity. We were created to be an image bearer of God Almighty. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. That's why we were created, to bear the glory of God. When we serve as rulers, men, and husbandmen, and saviors, and sages, we are reflecting the image of the perfect man, Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus willingly accepted the weight of responsibility. He strapped that beam up on his shoulders, and he walked up Mount Calvary. He willingly accepted that. Jesus willingly laid down his life to defeat the dragon on your behalf. He willingly stepped into that. Jesus Christ is willingly preparing a heavenly kingdom. He is cultivating it to perfection. As we speak, he's preparing a place for you. And so when we gladly accept the mantle of responsibility in this world, when we empty ourselves for the benefit of those in our care, when we sacrifice self in order to save the vulnerable and, and, and defeat evil, we are showing Christ to our lost and dying world. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. How did Christ love the church? He gave himself up for her. You see, toxic men use their strength for themselves. Godly men use their strength for others. That kind of manhood 
is glorious. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 7. A man should not cover his head because he is the image and the glory of God. We're living in a society, men, where our world is telling you, because you're a man, you should cover your head. Don't let your masculinity run wild. Don't allow your manhood to really take root. Don't allow the, the patriarchy to lead it. Cover your head. Bow your head. Listen, when you sacrifice and serve and succeed for the sake of your wife and your kids and your community, you will never, ever, ever have a reason to hang your head. You will never, ever, ever have a reason to cover your face. There is no shame in biblical masculinity. It is reflecting the image and glory of Christ to our world that most definitely needs to see him. Amen? I've heard it said, that weak men create hard times. Hard times create strong men. Strong men create good times, and good times create weak men. Folks, we're coming into some hard times, partly because of the shortage of strong men. If we're going to turn this thing around, we need men to step up. May it start right here. An army of selfless, courageous, strong, wise, loving men who will take responsibility for the world that we're living in, who will do the work to make life better, who will protect the vulnerable, who will take a stand against evil, who will bring revival to this city in the name and in the power of our Lord, the perfect man, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ. May it start right here for his glory and for the good of this city. Let's pray. Father, I wanna thank you so much for your word. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord for your created order. May we not despise it, Lord, but may we lean into it. Let us not be afraid of, the, of what you've called us to be, who you've created us to be. Lord, I pray for every single man in this room. It's hard to be a man sometimes, especially in the world that we're living in. And Lord, we've got a curse that follows us around where we wanna run away from the hard work. We wanna run away from the danger. We wanna be cowards. We wanna be lazy. That's, that's, our, that's our cursed DNA. But Lord, I pray you'll redeem us today. Empower us to be the men that you need us to be, that our world needs us to be in this day and in this age. Lord, I pray for all the young men in this room. I pray, Lord, that you will protect them from the lies of the enemy. Lord, I pray that they will be empowered and encouraged and confidently walk in the direction that you by nature have placed in their heart. And Lord, I pray as a church family, we can foster the young men in our, in our midst, that they may grow to maturity and make a positive godly gospel difference in this world. In Jesus' name, amen. As I close, Father's Day's tough on a lot of people. For many of you, you didn't have a good father, and uh, you didn't have a strong man in your life to love you and guide you, but I've got great news for you. The Bible says that my God is a father to the fatherless. He will protect you. He will provide for you. He will guide you. He will comfort you. He will get you through this. And so if you're far from God today and you're skeptical of ever trusting a man again, if you're, ever, if you're skeptical of ever trusting a father again, hear me say this, our God is a good, good father. He gave up all he had in order to save you. So trust him as your Lord and Savior. Become today his adopted son or daughter and receive the inheritance he has for you. Let me also say this. There are dads in this room who have fallen short of your calling. 
and the accuser has convinced you you're a failure. As you sit here today, you're full of guilt and shame, and you feel like that you can't be redeemed. And so I'm reminded today of the story of the wild son. He squandered the gift that the father gave him, and he ended up in the pit of despair. And at rock bottom, he made his way back home, and he was just expecting to be made a slave in his dad's house. But to his surprise, his daddy was watching for him every single day. And when that boy, when his boy popped up over the horizon, his father ran to him with his arms wide open. And when he found him, he put a ring on his finger and he put a coat on his back and he put shoes on his feet and he restored his son fully. Listen to me today. If you have failed as a father, do not let the enemy believe. Do not let him convince you that it ends here. There is hope for you. There's forgiveness for you. There's redemption for you. Today can be a new day, and you can finally step into the calling that God has placed on your life. He will. He will do it. And so as we sing this song, let's all stand together. If you're here today and you're far from God, you need prayer, will you please come and kneel at this altar or come and talk to me? We've also got communion elements in the back. Be reminded of the perfect man, Jesus Christ, who gave up his life for you. As you take those emblems, be reminded and celebrate his goodness and glory on Father's Day. As we sing, come.